Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Thanks for, thanks for gathering with us this morning. It's, uh, it's good to see your faces. Let me ask you this. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Okay, better question. And kids, I want to hear you. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Yeah. That's awesome, man. We, we are excited for Christmas at our house as well. Um, and just, hey, kids, let me just tell you this. We are glad you're in the room this morning. Um, it's good to just be able to have, have you in this room and worship with you this morning. And uh, kids, just know um, we love you. Um, parents, just know they're not as loud as you think they are. Um, so it's all good. Um, if they're in here, it's good if they make a little noise, good if they move around. Um, we love kids at Grace Hills, and so we're thankful to have them in the room with us uh, this morning. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be spending our time for the next little bit here. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The, the, word, the verses will be up on the screen as well, and you can follow along that way. Uh, but uh, what, what we, here's what we know. Um, throughout Scripture, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, can um, be understood in the context of a, uh, an invitation, an invitation, and it can be understood in the context of uh, of an invitation to a table, an invitation to, to, a, to a table, an invitation to a, a meal with God. Um, and, and this is, uh, and I don't know about you, but, but, but any time that I'm invited somewhere, I, I feel incredibly honored, right? Um, and, and I've been invited uh, to, to some interesting things, but like whether it's a, it's a wedding or a birthday party, um, I, I love getting that uh, invitation in the mail, especially on weddings, right? Because it always says your presence is requested. Your presence is requested. And, and, and really, this is, the, this is the main idea for today. That, that your presence has been requested. Your presence has been requested. And, and, and to be honest, um, I, I think that it's an incredible honor to have our presence requested. Um, uh, and maybe there's some, you know, except for maybe jury duty, that's one invitation I don't enjoy getting. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, for, for most, most part, I enjoy getting those invitations. Like, um, I've been invited into some interesting things throughout my life. I remember in high school being invited. Uh, I, I was at a concert, and, and all of a sudden, my friends lovingly invited me by pushing me in the back into the middle of this dance circle. Um, and, and I was quickly invited to step out of that dance circle once they saw me break out one of these, right? Um, and, and so... And so, so, but, but we, we, we love being invited. It's an incredible honor to be in, invited to things. And, and so here's, here's, here's what we know, though. We know that the, the good news of Jesus, we know that, that, that Christmas itself, the, 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 the coming of the Son of God into the world, is the greatest invitation that could ever be had. It's the greatest invitation that could ever be had, and it's available and extended to everyone. So let's, let's jump into our passage here, and let me, let me show you some, some, some a little bit further here. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And here's what it says. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, uh, as was everyone in Jerusalem. 
He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be both shepherd, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting from the wise, with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And when he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come before you this morning, and, and I'm so thankful and so grateful for the fact that, that you, saw, you saw fit that you should come in the form of a human that you would wrap yourself in, in, in flesh and, in, in skin and bone and, and you would come to this earth in, in, in the most humble form possible as a baby. That you allowed your creation to actually take care of you as a child. I'm thankful, Lord, that, that we get to gather here this morning and, and just remember and, and, and reflect and, and worship and so I just pray that over the next few moments, Lord, that, that we would see Christmas as the greatest invitation that has ever been given. And that we would understand and be honored by, by this invitation, invitation to your table. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would work in us and through us, and we need you and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so, so this the, the story here, right? So, so Jesus has already been born, um, and <clears throat> and he is known as Emmanuel, God with us. That that the God in the God has come and wrapped himself in the flesh. Um, he has come to this earth like you and me. And so, so when uh, authors like in, in the book of Hebrews say that we have a great high priest in Jesus that can relate to us in every way, um, it's because Jesus is, is a big theological word is he incarnated himself, right? It's the incarnation that he came like to be like us minus the sin. And so Jesus comes and as he comes, God sends out an invitation. Um, we, he sends out an invitation in the form of a star to a group of, of magi. Wise men um, is, is also known as magi. Um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, there was likely more than three of them. So, so don't go kick over your neighbor's uh, manger scene in their yard or anything, but, but there's probably more than three wise men, and they were, uh, they were probably not there the day Jesus was actually born. 
Um, this is down the road for sure that they show up on the scene. But, they, but the day Jesus is born, uh, God supernaturally places a star in the sky. He supernaturally places a star in the sky to point to the reality that something significant had happened. The most significant thing in all of history at this, up to this point. That, the, that God had invaded the earth in the form of a child. And so this is what the wise men, who are, who are far off in a different country, they see this star, and they see it as an invitation. And so they take this invitation, and they go. And, then, and, then, like, and, and here's how we know, because these, these guys, they were, <clears throat> they, were, they were students of the stars. They, they, they loved studying the stars. So, so, so this would have been a significant thing to cause them to travel a great distance in order to find the Messiah, in order to find the king of the Jews. It was an incredible moment. Here's the reality. Here's what I know. We, um, for, for, for really since the beginning of time, humans, men, women, children, we have looked up at the stars and we have stood in awe of what's up there. We, it, 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 we, it's hard to wrap our, our minds and our imaginations around all that we see when we look up in the sky. You see, because, because here's the reality. God, God created us to feel small. When we, you, you can't look up at the stars in the sky and not feel small in the universe. And that, that, that smallness, that, 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 that feeling within us that makes us feel small is, is a way to make us feel in awe of the greatness of our God. And so no doubt that this is what the, the wise men felt. This is no doubt what they, they, they looked, every time they looked up at the stars, that, that surely there was this craving within them, that surely there has to be something more, something greater than what I am experiencing on this earth. This, this summer, or, or actually not this summer, uh, uh, like a month ago, um, it was really warm in Arizona, but, um, and so it felt like summer, but, but we got to go to the Grand Canyon as a family, right? Um, and, and here's what I know. We, we looked out over the Grand Canyon. My kids were terrified they were going to fall in, um, and uh, there were moments where, where, where their whining made me want them to fall. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I, that's not real. Uh, but... <clears throat> But, 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 but as you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, I, I don't know that anybody stands on the edge, looks out into the, the, the vastness of that and beats them chest and says, look how great I am. We don't, we don't do that. Why? Because the, the Grand Canyon is so massive, so grand, so incredibly large that we feel small and we stand in awe of it. And so the things that God has put around us in the world, including the stars, is cause to draw our hearts and our affections to him and say, man, surely there has to be something greater than me in this world. Surely how, how small am I? And there is no doubt that, I, that when the, the magi, they look up at the stars in the sky and they see this one particular star, that that feeling that they had felt for years as they studied the sky drew them in. You see, I believe that God placed this star in the sky specifically for these men as an invitation to come to him, as an invitation to come to him. And so they respond to the invitation. They, they, they respond to the invitation to come, and, and, and they, 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 they 
get their caravan going because there's a lot of them traveling, um, and they begin making the journey. And they go to Jerusalem, the place where you would think you would find the king of the Jews, the Messiah. They go to the palace of Herod, the only place, the only structure that would be fit for a newborn king. And they go there, and and they say, hey, we're here to find the king of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose, and we want to worship him. We want to worship him. Now, here's what we find out, though, in this. That that everybody is not as enthusiastic about this as they are. Everybody's not as excited about this invitation as they are. Look with me in verse 3. Look at King Herod's response. It says this, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, here's what we got to know about King Herod. King Herod was a lunatic, okay? Like, for real. Um, like, he was a paranoid. Um, this is what history books tell us, not the Bible, but this is what history tells us, that, that he, was, he was paranoid. Um, he was always afraid of losing um, his rule and his reign and his kingship and his, his control and his power. He was, he was always trying to maintain it, so much so that he, at one point he kills one of his wives and his two kids from that wife. Like, he is absolutely insane. And so when the Magi show up and they say, hey, we're here because of the newborn king of the Jews, he doesn't respond with enthusiasm. He responds by becoming deeply disturbed. The word in the Greek there is terasso, okay? Terasso, and and here's here's what it means. Let me me read this for you. Um, Here's what terasso means. Uh, Terasso means to render anxious or distressed, to strike one's spirit with fear or dread. King Herod was incredibly fearful of what he had just heard, that, that there could be a newborn king, that, that all of a sudden his power and his control and his prestige and, and all that he reigned and ruled over in this tiny little corner of the world was now at stake, and he's incredibly threatened. And so he doesn't respond, even though he too is invited. The wise men are basically inviting him, hey, hey, help me find the king of the Jews. We're, we're here to worship him. You can come worship too. But instead of responding with joy, instead of responding with worship, instead of responding to the invitation with, 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 uh, with excitement, He instead responds with fear because he has power and control and he doesn't want to give it up. And here's here's why this is important for us to see and understand. This is important for us to see and understand because of this truth right here. Any area of your life that you have fear in is an area of your life that you have not fully submitted to God. Wherever there is fear, wherever there is anxiety in your life, and I'm not saying that those feelings aren't real because I think they are. I, I think that there's a lot of people who struggle with anx- anxiousness and, and fear. And, 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 and listen, that, that is um, that's something we all wrestle with at some level, okay? You're not alone in that, first off. But, but what it reveals, what it reveals is that is areas of our life that we have not fully laid down at the feet of Jesus, Areas of our life that, that control us. Areas of our life that, 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 that master us. 
This is why Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties, cast all your fears, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. That, that, that Jesus at Christmas, Christmas is the invitation to come and lay these fears and these anxieties down at the feet of Jesus. But oftentimes we want to close our fists around them and hold tight to them. There are things in our life that we don't want Jesus to have that we don't want to give over to him, that we want to hold on to, that we want to be in control of because we are fearful of what might happen if we do give it to him. We are afraid of what we might lose if we lay this down at his feet and trust him with it. But can I tell you that he cares for you? That Christmas, the incarnation in and of itself is, is his declaration of love for you? That he was willing to come to an incredible lengths in order to rescue you and redeem you from your fears and your anxieties? That we don't have to respond like Herod and, and, try and, and try and push back against the invitation of Jesus. Rather, we can lay these things down at his feet and we can embrace and we can worship like the Magi. And so, and so this, is, this, is the, this is one of the responses that we see to the invitation of Christmas. Fear, anxiety, rebellion, fighting against it, pushing back against it. But we also see a, a, another response here. In verse 4, it says this. It says, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So, so what you got to know about the religious elite of this day, right? The, the, those who had given their whole lives to studying Torah or uh, the, 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 the Jewish religious law. They, they had been looking forward to this day of the Messiah coming their entire life. This is what they longed for. This is what they prayed for. This is what they sought after. And yet, and yet, I've always wondered when I've read this story, I've always thought to myself, why don't they go with the wise men? Why don't they go in search of the Messiah when the wise men show up on the scene? Why aren't they um, uh, leading the way in this? Why, why, why do they just seem to be so indifferent towards what this news is? What is going on? What's going on here? You see, their response to the invitation of Christmas was not joy, it was not excitement, but it was complacency and indifference. It was complacency and indifference. You see, be, being a, a religious elite during this day meant that they had uh, attained a lot of uh, prestige in, in the community, that, that, that people came to them and looked to them for how, that they, sh how they should live their life. Um, people were always um, honoring them in the streets and in the temple. Um, they, they had come to a place of really uh, career-wise um, great achievement. And so when it came to this news of the Messiah, they didn't see their need for him. They were indifferent to this news because they didn't think they needed him. Because they had everything they wanted in life. And here's, here's what I know. I, th I think sometimes we can respond to the invitation of Christmas in the same way. Like it's, for, for, for a lot of us, this is a story we've heard lots of times. And we can sort of go through the motions. We can show up at, at a church. We can light some candles. We can sing some songs and, and, and go home and we become self-consumed once again. We can be indifferent to the invitation of Christmas because we think we already have everything we need and we don't really believe we need Jesus. 
And we can miss the greatest invitation that there ever has been in the form of Christmas, in the form of Jesus coming. The religious leaders, this is how they respond. They are indifferent, complacent. Listen, listen like, like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how well in your career you have done. It doesn't matter to me how, how, how much money you have. It, it, but, but if we're not careful, if you're not careful, you can start relying on what you have achieved and stop caring about what Jesus has achieved for you. You can stop pursuing him and you can become complacent and indifferent towards him at all together. You think, I don't really need him. And what, uh, another important thing to see here and note here about the religious leaders, right? They, they believed that, that because of how good they were at following the, the, the Mosaic law, the, the Jewish law of the time, that they believed they didn't need God because they were really upright and religious. But can, can I just tell you something here? That the invitation of Christmas is not an invitation to religion. It's not an invitation to a list of rules, of do's and don'ts. It's an invitation to a relationship. You see, we, we don't believe that this is about being good and not and, and, and doing the right thing. And we, we don't believe this is all about um, what you do or don't do, whether, whether you drink or don't drink, cuss or don't cuss, do this, don't do that. Um, it, that this whole thing isn't about what you do and don't do. It's about what Jesus has done for you on the cross and through his resurrection. That, that the invitation of Christmas is not an invitation into religion. It's an invitation to relationship. But this is what we see. But this is what we see here, that Jesus has invited us into, I mean, I mean, this is, this is the whole point of the Christmas story. It's the whole point of the Christmas story. Listen, you, you look at every other religion on the face of the planet besides biblical Christianity, because I think that, I say biblical Christianity because I think there's a lot of people parading around as Christians that aren't actually Christians. Um, and and so, so they're talking about biblical Christianity, Right? Is, is, is ultimately, it's, it's this invitation. It's this invitation into relationship. And every other religion would say, hey, you need to do this, do X, Y, Z a hundred times, and then your God is going to be pleased with you and allow you into heaven. But biblical Christianity isn't about what you have done. It's about the fact that Jesus didn't wait for you to come up the mountain to him. He came off the mountain to come and rescue you. But he left the glories of heaven, to come down in the form of a baby, live a perfect sinless life, and go to the cross on your behalf and my behalf, fully absorbing the wrath meant for you and for me onto himself. That this is the invitation of Christmas. This is the invitation of Christmas. And so we have King Herod responding with, with fear and feeling threatened. We have the religious elite responding with with, with indifference and complacency. But then we have the Magi. Let's come back to them, okay? We have the Magi. Look, jump with me down to verse nine. It says, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, falling to their face, and worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Here's what we got to know about the, the Magi, okay? The Magi, by every definition, in every way, shape, and form, would have been considered outsiders, okay? They, they were not Jewish. Um, they, they, they likely came from Babylon or, or, or Persia. Um, they, they, they traveled great distance. They were magicians, sorcerers who um, liked to study the stars. They worshiped other deities in, the, in, in their growing up and in their life. And yet they see the invitation of God in the form of a star. And they travel great distances, bringing gifts and bowing down and worshiping him with joy. That this is the Magi, who were incredible outsiders, While others were fearful and complacent, the Magi, as outsiders, were attentive. They brought riches for a king, gold. They brought brought, uh, incense for a priest, frankincense, and oil to embalm for burial, myrrh. And by every definition, and every vantage point, the Magi would have been considered outsiders especially in this land at this time. And this may be why, why the religious leaders were indifferent to, to this, because they thought, who are these guys to know anything about our Messiah? And yes, this is what we learn, though, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years beyond this. As we read this story, is that these outsiders, they don't stay outside. They are invited in. They're invited in by God himself. God invites the outsiders in. Listen, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know your past. I don't know your history. I don't know what brings you into this room today. I don't know what life is going on with you right now. But, but here's what I know. Maybe you feel like an outsider in here today. Maybe you feel like, man, I don't know if I really belong in this place. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I can, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to be accepted here, if I'm going to be loved here. But can I tell you this truth today? That every single person in this room has at one time been an outsider. All of us have been outsiders. And we received the invitation from God to, to relationship with him. And because we received that invitation, we became insiders. And that invitation is open to every single person, that God is inviting you in, that God was in, in incredible ways going after the hearts of the Magi. In incredible ways, the fact that you're in this room today, this is God's grace towards you saying, hey, I want a relationship with you today. I want you. It doesn't matter if you feel like an outsider. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't matter what your future is. Jesus paid it all. He covered it all. And this is the story that, this is, this is what we learn from the Magi. That if you feel like an outsider, you've been invited in. Listen, I, I, don't think very, I don't think it takes very much for us today to see, to, to, to look at our world. To turn, I mean, you turn on the news for 10 seconds and you see the brokenness in our world. And, and the reality is I think that we all feel this brokenness within us. I think we can all feel the, the, this gnawing feeling, that, that this craving for something more in life. This craving for something more in life. And, and I just know 
that we all try different ways to, to find satisfaction for that craving. We try and f- climb the corporate ladder, right? Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep achieving in, in, in my career until I get to that point of satisfaction. We're always in pursuit of more money, more stuff. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a relationship. There's just a relationship in your life that, that, that you are you're convinced that this person is finally going to complete me. This person is finally going to satisfy that hole in my heart. That, that maybe, if I, maybe if I just have um, a, a kid, right? Like we look to kids to, to, to satisfy the deep longings of our heart. And we can look to all these different things. And maybe we even look to religion. It's like, hey, if I'm going to do this and you know, I'm going I'm to be a good enough person, then, then I'm finally going to be satisfied. But, but here's, the, here's the good news of Christmas. Here's the invitation, right? That, that all of these things, this, this craving within us has been wired into you by God. But it can only be filled by God. That, that this desire for something more in life isn't, it, it, it's not about like, no matter how hard you try to escape the brokenness in this world by filling it with stuff, by filling it with relationships, by filling it with uh, whatever you're trying to fill it with, that at the end of the day, it can only be filled and you can only be satisfied by God himself because you were made for him. You were made for him. This, this feeling was wired into you because, because, because you need him. It was given to you by God to remind us to pursue him and to know him and to love him and to want him. And this Christmas, this Christmas invitation is, a, is an invitation for God to say, I'm here. I'm here. When, when my wife and I um, started dating, we... Um, <clears throat> Well, first, we, we met um, on a bus um, traveling from between camps, okay? Um, and, and, and I remember, um, I, I remember just, we had, we had, we just talked for probably, I don't know, it was like an eight-hour bus ride. I don't actually remember, but, but it felt like eight hours in the best way possible. Um, like, we just talked that whole time. And, and for me, I was in. Um, for her, she was like, oh, he's nice. Um, you know, it, it was one of those kind of things. And and, and then, and then uh, we don't agree on our first date was, but that's okay. Um, we, uh, my, my way's right. So um, I'm, I'm up here so I can say that. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 but we began to, I began to pursue her um, a couple years down the road. We, we found ourselves in the same city again. And, and so, so I was pursuing her, trying to, trying to date her. Trying, and, and she was just like, she friend zoned me. Um, I, was, I, was, I was in the friend zone. I was living there. I was happy. It was good. Um, but, but, I, but I remember I, t- I remember looking at her and telling her at one point, listen, I, I'm going to be the best friend you've ever had until you just either find somebody else or decide to marry me. Um, and so um, there's, a, there's a line between creepy and, um, and, and, and romantic, and I walked that line really well. Um, but, but, but here's the thing. When, when we were in that, that, that friendship dating phase of our relationship, and, and even still now, but, 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 but listen, we, we had to spend a lot of time like this. Not, honestly, I, this is the, I didn't decorate this table. I could have never done this. This was not most of our conversations, but you get the picture, right? That, that it was face-to-face time. There, there, there was a lot of time of just, just spending time together, getting to know one another, 
deepening our, our love and our care for each other. A lot of conversation, a lot of time spent together. And here's, here's the reality of Christmas. The reality of Christmas is that you were made for a relationship with God. You were made to spend time with him across the table, getting to know him, letting him know you even though he knows everything. And, and it's this relationship where we daily pressing into him more and more and more and finding deeper and deeper satisfaction in him and him alone. But I think if we're honest, for a lot of us, our spot at the table can often be abandoned. We, we, we kind of, may, maybe we show up to church, maybe we don't. Maybe, maybe we spend time in the word, maybe we don't. Maybe we pray, maybe we don't. But this, this relationship isn't that important to us sometimes. And for some of you, you've never even sat down at the table. You've never even received the invitation. And, here, and here's what I would want you to know today. God loves you. He sent Jesus, born in Bethlehem in a manger. He was born there, like you and me, and then he lived a sinless life, never once sinned. He goes to the cross willingly, pays the sin debt that you and I owed. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And that Christmas is the invitation for you and for me to join God at the table through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, so the question today is, how will you respond to the invitation? How are you going to respond to the Christmas invitation to join our Lord at a table, to have relationship with him? Are you going to respond like King Herod? You're going to have things in your life that you're going to hold on to, and you're, you're going to be fearful to let them go, and you're going to cling to them, and you're going to refuse to worship him because you feel threatened by him. Or may, are you going to respond like the, the religious? Are you going to be uh, indifferent and complacent? You Like, okay, I have what I need. I don't really need God. Or are, will you respond like the Magi? Will you respond by, by traveling great distances and receiving him with joy and worship? How will you respond to the invitation? If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I think, think it's important for us to, to just remember this. In John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. This is, this is the invitation. To everyone who believes in Jesus and receives him, he gives the right to become children of God, to be in relationship with a heavenly father, in, in, in an incredible, powerful way. And so right there, if you are here today and you say, hey, I want to I receive the invitation of Jesus today. I, I, I want to begin a relationship with him for the first time. Right where you are, you can pray something like this. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I know that I've messed up. 
I believe, Jesus, that, that, that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the grave three days later. Jesus, save me. I accept your invitation. I believe fully in you. The Bible tells us that is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we put our faith in Jesus today. So maybe you're in the room and you're like, hey, Marcus, this is all interesting, but, but I, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still wrestling with, with whether I believe this Jesus stuff or not. And, but, 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 but maybe that's you and you'd say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with somebody. I, I'd like to ask some questions and maybe sit down over a cup of coffee and just talk to somebody more about this whole Jesus stuff. And if that's you today, here's, here's what would be my encouragement to you. On that connection card, just write the word on the back of it, conversation. And make sure your, your, your contact info's on there. And I promise you, someone will, me or, or, or another person on our team will connect with you. We'll set up a time to grab coffee and, and to have, to, to begin that conversation with you. Maybe you're in the room today and, and this is, this is all normal for you. You, 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 you. you do this, right? You've been following Jesus for a while, but maybe you, you're today, you're just like, hey, hey, I, I, need to, I need to be reminded that there's a seat at God's table for me and I want to spend more time with them. I want to get to know them more. I want to pursue them. I want to grow in my relationship with them. And if that's you today, here's my, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to come to you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you and you say, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus, I already have one, but I want to grow in that. Would you just put your hand in there? I'm just going to pray for you. Yeah, I see your hand all over the room. That's awesome. Praise God. Yeah. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the greatest invitation we could have ever received. We thank you for the opportunity to just gather in a room like this and to, to worship you and to hear your word and be reminded that even if we even even when we felt like outsiders, even, even when we were far from you, you came after us and invited us in. And I'm thankful, Lord, that there is no one that is too far from your reach. That as messed up as we may have been in our life, that we are not too far gone. That there is grace sufficient for me because of you. We thank you, Jesus, for coming and rescuing us. We thank you for, for your love for us. Lord, I, I pray for those that, that, that are interested in having a conversation, that you would give them the courage and boldness to, to reach out and just mark, hey, I want to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. Pray that they would actually do that. They wouldn't just go home and, and forget all of this. I pray for those in the room that raise their hands and say, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I pray, Lord, that, that those people this week, that they would just start small, Maybe it's just, hey, I'm going to spend five minutes reading, reading the Bible. Maybe it's just five minutes praying. Maybe, maybe praying while I'm driving somewhere and just talking to you. That we, just, that we would just begin somewhere, that we would just figure out what that next step is in our faith journey and we would take that. Maybe for some of them it's the step of being baptized. Pray that they would be willing to take that step. And so, Jesus, we just ask for that. I pray for the person who, 
who maybe prayed that prayer to, to begin a relationship with you for the first time today. I pray, Lord, that they would let us know about that. I pray that they would just write saved on the back of that card when they turn it in. And we would get to celebrate that decision with them. Jesus, we want all of you. Give us yourself in every way. And so, Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.